Welcome to Dumb Love. I'm Sally Brooks. And I'm Jen O'Neill Smith. And this is a podcast about all of the dumb things that people will do for love. So welcome to episode 24. Readers keep making them and you guys just keep listening to them. Yeah, a bunch of dum-dums. What are you doing? <laughs> man, we've been having a great week though. Our listenership is it's blowing up, man. It's blowing up, man. You so, guys, thank you. Are you telling your friends? Is that what happened? Did you finally tell a friend? <laughs> <laughs> thank you for doing that. We really appreciate it because I, it's working. Speaking um, of being dum-dums. Yeah. We got to talk about this. Okay, remember how we said we had a curse where if we talk about something that we're excited about on the podcast, it gets ruined. 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 And that's exactly what happened this week. Yeah. So last week I talked about, I think for something I love, I talked about how excited I was that Michael and Henry from Great British Bake Off are dating in real life. Yeah, there was a we whole article so about excited. it. If you read it on the internet, it's true. I believed it to be true, and I was so excited. And guess what? It's not true. It's bullshit. <laughs> They've been fucking with us the whole time. I know. I said I saw it, and I sent Jenna guys. that it was not actually happening. Something that one of the other contestants said made reporters think that they were, and then the two guys started like just. just like playing teasing, teasing us, playing God. with our heartstrings. We were rooting for you. We were rooting. I we said, were all rooting for you. Do you remember when Tyra Banks taught model? Do you remember that scene? No. Oh my God. It's one of the best. It's like one of the most iconic scenes in top model I mean, history. I mean, I can't believe I, I don't remember I was rooting it. for you. Because I. We were all rooting for you. <laughs> I love top model so much. So I guess we're cursed. We can't. We, this is why we can't have nice things. This is why we can't. Jen was like, we have to be stopped. <laughs> <laughs> we cannot. We are ruining people's fake lives. <laughs> I know. Uh, we're cursed. That's just something we wanted to make sure you guys weren't out there making like cross stitching your Michael and Henry hearts. Because it's all a lie. It's all a lie. And we don't want you to be heartbroken like us. <laughs> Man. So should we get um, into our quickies? Yeah, let's do our quickies. Today, you are first. Today, I am first. So I think I have found the perfect couples activity for you and Zach. Is it sitting in a room and not talking? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, what is it? Um, okay. So... For the second year in a row, Lithuanian couple, uh, Vitatas, Vitautas, Kirkulakas, and Naringa Kirkulaskagin. That is not how you say their names at all. You're I'm going to call a great them job, though. They won the world championship for wife carrying. Wife carrying? Yeah. So he would just carry me around forever? Yes. And I think I feel like that would really work well because he's all strong and likes to work out. And not that you don't, but the you And I'm you lazy. Just... <laughs> <laughs> well, what's amazing is that... No, that, that sounds awesome. I it mean. actually is like an endurance sport for both of them. So, okay. So I'm going to tell you yeah, about the Yeah, I feel like that would get uncomfortable after a while. Yeah, you have to have really good leg strength. Mm -hmm. So, okay, so it's held in, the championships are held in the Finnish town of San Kajarvi. That just get really going for these pronunciations. And two dozen couples competed in the championships. And the way that it works is that men run an obstacle course with their wives slung over their shoulders. And so I imagine that they were like a sack of potatoes kind uh -huh. of hold. But for the championship couple, like she... I'm going to try to describe this. She's on his back, piggyback, but like upside down. So like her legs are over his shoulders and her head is like near his butt. That like sounds... Face to butt. Gross. And she hooks her arms through <laughs> her legs to hold on so that she's like a backpack. Oh my God. I yeah. could not. I couldn't do that. <laughs> I think you could do it. I could see I'm it. I'm not very strong at all. There was like one part of the obstacle course where he goes through like a chest high pit of water and her head's just like underwater. The oh my God. <laughs> and like you might be thinking that this is like a joke competition, but these people are in amazing shape. I watched this video of them training together 
And it's crazy. Like there's a video. So uh, Naringa, um, who's the woman, says that they train together and travel all over to compete. And there were preliminary competitions in the US, Australia, Poland, and Britain, which is like, yeah, I mean, this is some real white people shit. And there are over 4,000 people who come to the world championship. To How watch. did this even get started? Like two best friends were carrying their wives and then just got really competitive about it. Well, apparently, so it started as like, this is like a 19th century legend about Ronakin the robber who was like, not a pirate, a Viking. A robber. A Viking. Uh-huh. Um, and so he would compel members of his gang to like carry sacks of grain or live pigs over their shoulders in like an obstacle course like this. Oh my God. And so then people started to like, then there was also like early ancient practice of wife stealing. <laughs> And so, which is, you know, super that we don't want to think about that part. So some people (laughs) like compete with other people's wives. Right. Wife stealing. So Vitas, Vitatas, V, it's V-Y-T-A-U-T-A-S. Okay. Vitatas. Okay, okay. I'm going to go with <laughs> You're what just you like, said. however you say it. <laughs> <laughs> Not even trying to put the letters in my brain. And, no, I mean, yeah. I'm looking at it and I cannot say it. It's uh-huh. just, it's, yeah, craziness. Okay. Um, he says, like, our, our contribution to the victory is in equal parts. It's 50-50 because if I didn't have a wife, I wouldn't have the victory. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, know, I was like, all right, dude. Oh, man. So what do you think? I think it's kind of crazy. And what's even weirder is that it kind of, my quickie. Yeah. It has a little bit of that in it, too. Wife carrying? Well, not wife carrying, but um, people doing like relay races and competing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. This is kind of a weird story. All right. Okay. I'll just go into it. I'll just say it. Just say okay. it. Okay, so in 2018, Natasha Aponte uh, is an actress, and she decided to go on Tinder and make dates like with over, apparently it was over a thousand different guys at the same time, and asked them all, like one by one by one, like, like swiped on them, and then they were like, hey, and then she goes, hey, let's meet at Union Square Park yeah. in New York City uh-huh. um, at 6 p.m. on Sunday. So she said the same exact message to a thousand men. Okay. and Or more than that, I think, but I guess like a thousand men showed up. And so when they got there, she was like on a stage and there were cameras everywhere. And she had set up this whole stunt where she was like, hey, everybody, you might recognize me. I'm the one that invited you here. But who thinks that they have what it takes to win a date with me? And she made them like, so this was all like a social experiment that her Uh and this guy, Rob Bliss, put together and it's supposed mm-hmm. to be a social commentary on like what dating is like and blah 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 but i think it's f yeah it's super f and so she these men all had to and so, a lot of them played along a lot of them played along and first she would dismiss certain people like say like, so if you have a beer belly like swipe what is it laughter right uh-huh. I don't whatever know. the one is go away yeah so swipe go away <laughs> beer belly and then it's like if you're not over six feet tall then goodbye and if you're not this then if you're bald goodbye and so she weeded out all these people and then the rest of them she made them like push-ups and relay races and race each other all to compete for for a date with her yeah and then some people were not okay with it actually there's a video on abc news where oh so my sources come from abcnews.com and patch.com there were this guy like grabs the microphone and was like you guys this is totally f like you know we all have lives and we're busy and she wasted all of our time and you guys are just playing and then security came and like carried him away <laughs> but i'm with that guy i'm 100 percent with that she guy. says it was it's insulting it is and so her and this guy rob bliss they say that it was all like a social commentary on like what modern dating is like and that we all need to have like a human connection and not just date on Tinder or blah, blah, blah. But no, I think it was just, it was at everyone else's expenses and just for them to get some kind of notoriety. 100%. Yeah, shove it up your butt. Yeah, I say shove it up your butt. (laughs) (laughs) Not into that. Not into it. Not into it. Hey, Jen. Hey, Sally. Are you ready for my crazy story? Yes. 
Okay, so I should say, sorry, my my quickie the I got from Reuters, uh-huh. and then this my crazy story. I got two articles from SavannahNow.com, and one from the Daily Mail, and then another one from EffinghamCounty.com. So this actually took place. Um, it's like in our own backyard. It's in a Georgia story. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, Savannah. Yeah, so this okay. is, um, okay, so at 3 a.m. on August 25th, 2008, Linda Height made a phone call to 911 operator in the small town of Springfield, Georgia, which is about an hour north of Savannah. And Linda had been shot by a gunman in the middle of the night, and her injuries were so bad that it took six minutes for the 911 operator to understand where she needed help. Oh, wow. So she was so it was so garbled, and she was, I mean, she was dying. And when police arrived at the Height home, they found that it was not just Linda who had been shot, but they found Linda's husband, Philip Height, who was 59 years old, and her son, Carrie, who had both been shot in their beds. And both men were dead when the police got there. How old was the son? 32. Okay, good. So the No, not good, not good. Oh, no, no, I I mean, no, terrible, but I just... Not children, no. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, I should not. I think that was not have said that. (laughs) No, it's okay. I think that was like one of my promises at the beginning of this podcast was right. that I'm never going to tell you a story about dead kids. Yes, but 32 <laughs> is still very, very young, and that's heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking. Yeah. So the Heights were a prominent family, Effingham County. <laughs> Just making a slow reach for the chocolate. <laughs> She's like, if I'm going to be listening to the story, I'm going to need half of a chocolate I'm already bar. stressed. I'm stressed. <laughs> okay, so the Heights were a prominent family in Effingham County, Philip was a successful real estate developer who'd made millions in Effingham. Can I just say that Effingham <laughs> sounds like fucking ham? Oh, yeah. <laughs> 100%. Which is why I keep saying it. <laughs> um, like so he had, he'd been married to Linda for 42 years. They had met in Savannah at the county fair, and she says that he Aww. stole her heart. And they had, the two had three sons, Craig, Chris, and Carrie, who was the one who was home at that time. The family was very close-knit. The boys liked to hunt, do outdoors things together, and but each had his own distinct personality. But they were, they were well-known around town. Carrie was the baby of the family, and he had followed his dad into the real estate business and had done really well. He eventually became his dad's partner in the business. And Carrie had married his high school sweetheart, Robin, soon after graduation, and together they had three beautiful little kids of their own. And at the time that he Aww. died, they were 10, 7, and 3. God, now I feel even worse. I, I'm sorry. I know. Oh. Eat some more chocolate. I will. It's just going to get worse. So the sheriff in the county, his name was Jimmy McDuffie, as he approached the scene, he got the call in the middle of the night, and he wasn't sure. <laughs> for trying to be oh healthy. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jen's over there choking on chocolate so oh that she God. won't make any noise on the I'm microphone. I'm so sorry. <laughs> this is um, wildly inappropriate. Okay. okay. Go ahead. Sorry. Okay, so Jimmy McDuffie, uh-huh. he was the sheriff. He, um, he approached the scene, and he, as he got closer, he knew it was the Heights house. <laughs> Stop it, Jen. Oh, yeah. Okay. This is a- uh, it was the Heights house. It was the Heights house. He knew it was the Heights house. Mm-hmm. And he knew because he was, Sheriff McDuffie was one of Philip's good friends who was the dad. And he described the Heights as a good Christian family and that Philip was the heart of it. He said that Philip was extremely popular but a private man. And the sheriff knew that he couldn't oversee this case because he was too close to the family. So on the first day, he turned the case over to the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, which is the GBI. Mm-hmm. So Agent Eugene Howard was in charge, was now in charge of the investigation. And he came into the house and he saw that the killer had cut the phone lines and smashed a pane of glass in the door. The intruder had doused the house with gasoline. But when Linda had called 911, had fled without setting the fire. So there were clothes kind of spread everywhere. But detectives thought 
like this looks like this doesn't look like a robbery. It looks like it was staged. Staged robbery. Yeah, because okay, if you're gonna stage a robbery, take something. Take something. That's and they think maybe that at first they were like, well, maybe her calling nine one one got scared him off. But it also nothing was taken. Like there was money on the table, jewelry in the jewelry box. So they, the way the victims were shot, like each with a single shotgun blast, the medical examiner thought that this was like an up close personal killing because the way it looked was that the, ca- the killer first shot Carrie from about two feet away and then Philip, and then Linda was coming out of the bathroom Ugh. and she was shot and it was like a miracle that she survived because like at the last minute when she was shot, she turned her body and the way the bullet went in was the only reason she didn't die from the impact because it was a shotgun that apparently would like just tear anybody apart. And so Linda, as she's like, after she's shot, she's on the floor and she remembers smelling the gasoline (gasps) and the gunpowder and then just like getting to the phone to call 911. Oh my gosh. Um, so the news of the murders spread really quickly in the small town. I mean, this was like a well-to-do, like church-going family, and they were shot in their beds. And the community was scared because they're like, there is a killer on the loose because who would want to hurt these yeah. people? Police started looking. They started with a meth dealer who lived nearby, but they quickly ruled him out. The next they looked at like the Heights real estate dealings, and they couldn't find a, anything. There were rumors that the... The killings were like mafia related, but the police the police just didn't find anything to substantiate yeah. these rumors. So then Sheriff McDuffie remembered a conversation he'd had with Carrie Height about a month before the murder, and Carrie had told him that his wife Robin was having an affair, but didn't tell the sheriff who it was with. Oh wow. So police questioned Robin, and at first she denied it, but then after a little bit more questioning, she admitted that she was having an affair with her brother-in-law, Craig. So (gasps) Carrie's brother. Oh my God. Yeah. So apparently Craig and Carrie had begun their affair months earlier. And Robin admitted that she was the one who came on to Craig. And... Oh my God. Which is, it's crazy because they must have known each other like their whole lives. Because, I mean, Carrie and Robin were met in high school and they were high school sweethearts and Craig was the older brother. So... I just imagine this was some th- probably an infatuation she had for a long time because Craig wasn't like a good catch. Like at the time, he was like, he says, d- described himself as the black sheep of the family, but he was divorced. He owed child support. He was unemployed. He was living off disability checks. And Carrie was like a successful real estate developer. So, right. but Robin had this thing for him. And so she, she told Carrie about the affair about two weeks into it because she said he knew he, she wasn't being herself and she felt so guilty. And it blew this like tight knit family apart. And even after she told Carrie, the affair didn't stop. Robin, she would, they would say it would, and then they would sneak off to Craig's hunting cabin. And Carrie loved Robin, and he was against divorce. And he told his parents what was happening. And Philip, who was the father, told Craig that if he didn't stop the affair, he would lose. He was grounded. He was grounded. He would lose his inheritance. Oh, wow. And so Philip raged at Robin, too. And she said she had never seen him so angry. And so... I mean, I would be pissed if you were a parent and your kids were coming to you like, Mom. Yeah. Your kid's like in their 30s. sleeping with my husband. Like, yeah, that would, you. it ruins your whole family. Yes. And so, of course, he's going to be livid. Yeah. I would be too. I mean, this had started a long time ago. They kept saying it would stop. And then, and at this point, it was clear that it wasn't. And so... The weekend before the murders, um, Robin and Craig were out at the hunting cabin and they got drunk and she ended up staying the night. And in the morning, they were awoken by the sound of a helicopter um, that was like flying very low over the hunting cabin. And it turned out Philip had asked a friend who had a (gasps) helicopter to track the pair down um, when Robin hadn't come home to take pictures of them. Oh my God. Because even though Carrie was like, I don't want a divorce. His dad was like, yeah, no, we're, we're going to get proof. Yeah, yeah. We need like some proof of this because you're, you are going, you know, you guys are going to split up. And so, um, and it turned out that Carrie had also taken Robin off of his like $3.5 million life insurance policy, Whoa. but she didn't know that, put it in 
for his kids in a trust. So like a couple weeks earlier, Craig was furious. They knew it was his dad who had who, with the helicopter. And so according to Robin, he said, Carrie and his father better watch out or he was going to play old school with them. And then when she got home, she and Carrie had it out and he left the house and went to go stay with his parents. And so later that day, Robin calls Craig and tells him that Carrie had gone to the parents' house. And then that night was the night of the murders. Oh, my God. So when police questioned Robin in the morning, the murders, she told them, like, she couldn't think of anyone who would want to hurt Carrie. Sure. And as for Craig, he denied that he was, he denied the affair. He denied that he had anything to do with the murders. He was like, I mean, you could see him on um, interview tapes and he's like, I would never do that to my family. I'm just not that kind of person. Like, even before police... Officers had determined that it was a shotgun that had been used to kill the family. He was like, family. I don't even own a shotgun. Well, he he just like spontaneously said, oh, I have my shotgun um, and my boots and also my gas can are missing. Oh my <laughs> right? God. And they what were like, idiot, dude. Ugh. And he also, and then he also uh, failed a lie detector test. Of course. So police officers asked him, were you holding a shotgun when your family was shot? And he said, no, but that showed he was lying. Oh, my gosh. And then the agent, Agent Howards asked him directly, did you kill your father and brother? And Craig said, I don't know, but if I did, I have no re- recollection of oh it. Oh, my God. And um, and Agent Howard says, in in um, this was in uh, 48 hours, he says, and that's what we call in uh, police business the wrong answer. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, ooh, Agent that's Howard. Awesome. Ding, ding. That's what we call the wrong answer. Awesome. So Linda, who's a mom, was in the hospital in Savannah, and she was unable to talk. One day, um, before she was able to talk to police officers, an officer who was guarding her hotel room saw something that kind of set off alarm bells for him because Craig had entered the room, and he put his hand on his mom and said, Mom, this is Craig. And her blood pressure went from (gasps) like 98 to 140, and her eyes got really wide. And she started shaking. And, um, And the police officer said like, she was scared. But Linda says that's ridiculous. Like she was just like, I, I never had a fear response. I don't I don't believe that Craig did this. So she could she said she could never identify the person in the room, the intruder. She said, I didn't see a face or anything. I didn't see Craig. I didn't see anyone there. All I saw was a blast. And she says, I know my child. I know the man he is. I know the heart he has. And he does not have a co- he does not have a cold-blooded heart. I can be certain that Craig did not do this to our family. Denial, denial. Yeah. And so she says that she looked him in the eye and asked him if he did it. And he said, no, mama, I did not do this. I couldn't do this. I'm sure that's not how he sounds, but that's what, oh, I was like, <laughs> that's what I decided. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> no, mama. So then a, one, a police officer was like, you know, when you shoot that kind of shotgun, it always has a kickback. And so they, they he was like, we should check his arms to see if there are bruises. And they found three, two <gasps> on his right bicep and one on his left. And like that was one for each shot. Oh my God. And he says that he tripped over the toilet and that's how he bruised his arms but yeah so police like they knew they had the guy but they had nothing to put him in the house like they didn't have any evidence of him there and so they ended up watching robin and craig and just four months after the murders craig moved in with robin and her kids oh my god and a prosecutor said like okay now they have the motive like craig not only wanted to get his brother's wife but he wanted his life and he killed to do it because this is uh this is a quote he's living in his dead brother's house sleeping in his dead brother's bed next to his dead brother's wife he's taking his dead brother's children to school and he's driving his dead brother's truck he had become for all practical purposes carrie hyatt oh my god that's how that's just how he sounded on 48 hours i like it (laughs) thank you so nine months after the murder craig and robin announced that they were going to get married oh yay is everybody so excited they threw threw him a big a big parade what a fucking um so robin says that she believed like linda that craig was innocent Sure. But then, you know, the community, nobody in the community believed him. And so in May 2009, um, shortly after they make this announcement, the GBI arrested Craig for the murder of his brother, his father, and the attempted murder of his mother. But Robin stood by him. So at the trial... Sure, because there's nobody left. Right. At the trial, prosecutors thought that one of the key pieces of evidence 
was the fact that although the window was smashed, the hidden spare key was in the door where the intruder had unlocked it. And Craig was one of the few people who would have known where this spare key was. And also there was evidence a week, about a week before the murders, <laughs> Craig had consulted a real estate, a realtor about purchasing some real estate property for him and Robin. Uh-huh. And even though he didn't have the financial resources, he told the realtor that he was going to come into some money pretty soon. And he also said, well, I'm also going to get a significant inheritance from my father. Oh my God, what an idiot. And nobody knew he was with Robin at that point. Yes. Well, like, it, well, you know what I mean? Yeah. People knew, but... People knew, but it wasn't... He was denying it, and he denied it to the police. Right. What well, he thought he probably, like, killed everybody who knew, right? Yeah. So during the trial... Robin was arrested on charges of intimidating a witness who was set to testify in Craig's trial. Um, But because there was a gag order on the case, it was never released who the witness was or what she did. She was actually ordered to leave the county. She had to go move to Charleston until she, like, for part for the trial. So I'm not sure who she was intimidating, but she did, she was arrested on that. And then, although, like, his mother and brother never wavered Robin flipped, and she ended up being a surprise witness for the prosecution. Oh my gosh! What they give her? No, I mean, she like, ne- she was never arrested. Oh, oh my god! Yeah. Well, why did she flip? I'm, I'm sorry. Th- I'll I'm, let you finish. Well, I'm wondering. I don't know. They. It, I couldn't find anywhere it says. My guess is that because they arrested her for this witness intimidating intimidation, she probably got those charges dropped. And probably said, we will give you immunity in exchange for testifying. Gotcha. Okay. I knew she had to get some. Yeah. So I, they didn't, I don't see that, but that is my guess. Probably. They had to make some yeah. kind of deal about this. So, so Craig Height was sent, was convicted and he was sentenced to the maximum two life terms plus 85 years. And so that means that parole will be almost impossible for him to get. You know, many people believe that Robin was actually behind the whole thing, that she put Craig up to it, that she planned it. Um, but there's no evidence that she participated in the plan. And when they asked on the 48 hours, when they asked the the prosecutor, like, well, why haven't, why hasn't Robin never been in? He said, well, I have to go with the evidence. And he said, does that mean you think she's innocent? He said, I didn't say that. I just said, yeah, I have to go with the evidence. This is just a, a side note to this or a footnote to this. In 2011, Robin was arrested again. And this time it was for making threatening phone calls to her new boyfriend's ex-wife. Oh my God. And then she eventually married this new boyfriend and moved to Charleston with her kids. And Linda and Robin now share joint custody of the children. Wow. Oh my God. Yeah. Can you imagine what that's like? Right. Having to do like the handoff. Oh my God. That's crazy. It is crazy. Oh, that's like, I can't even like think about this movie because it's so heartbreaking. But have you seen the documentary Dear Zachary? Yes. Ugh. Yes. Yeah. That was watch the documentary if you want to be devastated. But right, it has a very similar like a mother knew that this woman killed her son, but she had shared custody of their child. Yeah, and yeah, it was awful. Yeah, crazy. So that's oh, my crazy my story. I know God, it was really nuts. Really, it's. I feel like it's more brutal than our stories usually are, even though they're almost always about murder. This one seemed like more murdery. Yeah. So I'm sorry, everybody, for bumming you out. That's okay. It's. You know, that's what this is. Yeah. <laughs> that's what it is. And now Jen's going to bring and it around. now I'm going to do a love story. <laughs> hey, Sally. Yes, Jen. Are you ready for a really nice love story that will make you feel so much better? Yes, I need it. Good. Okay, so a couple episodes ago, I talked about uh, how my cousin Jen, you know, got married. Um, yes. So, and I mentioned that their story was pretty cool, and then I promised I would do their story. So I'm doing their story. Oh, I'm so excited. This is the story of Jen and Will Newton. Okay, so you guys have heard me obviously talk about my cousin Jen marrying my friend Will before. And if you remember, officiated their wedding at the beginning of this month, and I fucking nailed it. <laughs> nailed it. Yeah. Um, we knew you would. So. Did you make everybody cry? Did you make everybody laugh? Yeah, I did. <laughs> Jen, born Jennifer Cohen, was born in Charlotte, North Carolina, but moved to Atlanta with her parents, Rosemary and Richie, when she was four years old. I was born in New York and moved to Atlanta when I was 14. Mm-hmm. I'm 10 years older than her. So we basically moved to Atlanta around the same time. 
Um, and even though we're cousins, we're actually second cousins. Oh, okay. Like her, I'm sorry, my dad is her mom's cousin. Okay. So, but we had actually never even heard about each other before. Like, well, she was four, but I didn't even know that I had this (laughs) other family until we were like all living in the same state. So our parents were like, um, well, then I guess we should hang out then. (laughs) So, so all of a sudden, like, you know, I moved to Georgia and I have this new little adorable cousin. So she was all cute and adorable. And I was like a dickhead teenager that was very angsty and awful. You were sneaking Um, out to go to rock shows. Yeah. But I was always nice to Jen. I was always really nice to Jen. And I remember I kind of felt like she was like, even though she was as a young child, I was like, oh, you're smarter than me. Like you probably think I'm so dumb. Like I was like I seriously like felt like she's like perfect and beautiful and smart. And I was just thinking as a teenager, yeah, I know you're better than me. <laughs> so anyway, when Jen was in the sixth grade, she moved back to New York. We would see each other just from time to time. You know, if I went to New York or if they were coming to visit in Georgia. Yeah. So then at 22, after Jen graduated college, Jen got a job here in Atlanta. Uh, Because like I said, she's very smart. Very smart. She got a very good job. And so we started to hang out because, you know, she's 22 now. She grew up and got older and I stayed exactly the same age. Yeah. It's weird. (laughs) It's so weird. I'm literally a medical marvel. (laughs) I didn't age and Jen got older. So when Jen moved back and, you know, she's an adult now and was an adult, you know, Jen's cool as hell and we just had a lot in common and we got along really well. Um, so like she's cool and I am cool and you have and both of the same name. Yeah, we have the same name. Fun, I'm fun. She likes comedy. I'm a comedian, um, and that's how I actually met Mr. Will Newton. Okay, so Will had grown up in Tallahassee and went to school at FSU. That's Florida State University. Oh, okay. Um, after college, he moved to Atlanta and became a stand-up comedian. And then Will and I quickly became friends. Not only because he's super funny and chill and, you know, fun to be around, but he's legitimately one of the nicest people I've ever met. Really? He's just yeah. like, just such a good dude. Yeah. And he's also uh, very polite and he would put me up early on shows because he knew I was a mom and very tired. But I he never that. said that, which makes him even more polite. Like he was uh, never like, I'm going to put you up early because I know you're like tired because you're a mom. Like yeah. he never said it. I just knew what he was doing. I, you know what I mean? That's the best because I, I know. get love going up early. Me too. <laughs> because I want to go home because I'm so tired. Yeah. But I get super defensive when people are like, well, you're a mom, so we'll put you up first so you can I know. I'm, like, I'm cool, man. I'm a cool mom. I can just, stay up late. How about Let you just me think, decide. How about you just think about me of me as a comedian instead of a mom, okay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like he never ever yeah. mentioned that I was a mom or both. Like he was just, but I knew he was just so polite. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. And I, I appreciated that. So years ago, I used to produce uh, this comedy show called Schlitz and Giggles at the High, Highland Ballroom here in Atlanta. Jen used to come to a lot of my shows because, um, like I said before, she's a comedy fan and she's also the best. The best. Good cousin. So that night, uh, Schlitz and Giggles was like a showcase. So I had about 10 different comedians performing. That night, the hero of our story, uh, Will Newton, performed. Oh, yeah. So Jen had to leave without saying goodbye that night. and But the next morning, she sent me the following text messages she said sorry i didn't say bye last night that's okay jen um (laughs) but thank you so much for the free admish so not necessary (laughs) you're welcome um amazing show as always i know and then she said that one guy was so all caps so freaking cute and then heart eye emojis three of them actually wow yeah major major yeah yeah yeah. And then I responded and I said, haha, which one? The one I said looked like a handsome John Mulaney. And then she wrote back all caps, yes, 17 <laughs> S's, yes, oh my God, I was smitten. And I said, oh, that's Will Newton, he's great. So I could have just left it there uh-huh. and just like, yeah, whatever, why? moved on with my day. But instead, I decided to make a very bold move. And what I did, some might call it a dickhead move. I would never call it that. But only because it worked out. Exactly. I <laughs> screenshotted the conversation that I had with Jen and then I sent it on over to Will. Yeah. And I was like, you're single, right? And Will was single. He had actually just gotten out of a four-week um, 
<laughs> I'm sorry, four-year relationship. Four weeks? Four no, weeks. a four-year relationship only two weeks prior. So, oh, wow. like, he had just... Yeah, dude. Will just responded by saying, ha-ha, that joke is finally paying off. Uh, who was that? Because during his set, he, like, made jokes about how he had just broken up with his girlfriend and yeah. blah, blah, blah. And then I said, uh, my cousin Jen, the cutie with the blue eyes and dark hair, second row in the middle. And then he looked her up on Facebook and was like, yeah, she is. She's super cute. And then I actually said in the text message, I said, well, if you'd like for me to arrange a marriage or a date, I'd be much obliged. So, like, what? isn't that crazy? Because I did arrange a marriage. <laughs> and so, with Jen's permission, which he asked for, which was so polite, he said, well, if she doesn't me having her phone number, I guess not give her a call. When I joked about, asked him when he called her, he's like, we text message? Yeah. God, you're so old. But, um, but isn't that old. nice that he, like, asked permission? Like, did, yes. would she mind if I had her phone number? Yes. Not, like, give me those digits, bitch. <laughs> Um, I got a dick pic to send. (laughs) (laughs) So Jen was like so excited and couldn't wait to hear from him. But he actually did the cool guy thing and he waited three days to text her. But to be fair, Will did say it's not normally his style to do the three day wait thing. But he had just gotten out of a four year relationship. So he was forcing himself to be cool. And he had just watched Swingers. Yeah. And all of his friends were all over his shit. Yeah. (laughs) So their first date was at 10 Lizzie's. Jen said, we talked and we had lunch and we talked and I just thought he was so cute and funny and charismatic. I did notice that his hands were small, but that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) It's still something that I make fun of every day. And she said, we had a lot of common interests and just connected really well. And then apparently she had asked him if she could, if he wanted to come to a, her friend's birthday party later that night. Yeah. And he said that, yeah, he had a show, but he, he would come right after. And she was so excited. And then apparently when he got there, there was like no one there. Oh my God, this is going to be so awkward. But it, and he totally went along with it. Yeah. And it ended up being like super comfortable and great. Um, and Jen's had like, she was in three relationships before that and all of them, like Jen's just one of those really amazing, honest people that wears her heart on her sleeve. Yeah. And so every relationship always felt like she always felt like she cared more than the other person. Right. You know what I mean? Because she put she put herself out there and she just always was ended up getting devastated by these mm-hmm. people. Some people would have been really mad that I screenshotted the text yeah. messages, but she was like, whatever, go for it. Yeah. And like just from the jump, they've always been super comfort comfortable with each other because they don't play those games. Yeah. You know I what love I mean? that. And I love yeah. that even though she has been like burned by being so open before that she's still like, yeah, well, I'm still going to put myself out there and be myself and not worry about it. That's like such amazing confidence and like hope. And I just love that. Me too. And Will says about their first date, um, Jen was exactly my type. And I remember the date going really well. We talked a lot about our common interests and cracked each other up quite a bit. And then he does say, I wanted to continue to get to know her, but I don't think I knew that I was sitting across from my future wife eating nachos with my small hands. (laughs) (laughs) I got to see these hands. Yeah, I know. I I don't remember them being small, but I'll check next time. So after the first date, they were just inseparable and when they weren't together they texted all the time will says i do remember the text being a lot of fun where i could tell we were both really trying hard to one-up each other with our cleverness and pithy statements via text it was a form of mental gymnastics and that was very attractive to me she was really funny and beautiful which is hitting the jackpot for me isn't that so cute that's so Um, cute i have to say they are amazing together and their sense of humor is uh, amazing and there's this one thing that i love so much uh, normally this does not will has a nickname for jen and he calls her <laughs> it sounds horrible but he calls her pig okay or like little piggy and i know that sounds terrible yeah. but the origin of this came from one night will and jen were out to dinner with a bunch of their friends one of their friends dared will i dare you to order for jen <laughs> but oh. when you order for her say and my pig of a girlfriend will have <laughs> and like will so sweet yeah. and so nice it's like you would never ever imagine that those words coming out of his mouth right. but he did do it yeah i'm sorry i'm like i sound like i'm like trying to hold back laughter so will did do it and he um when he ordered for jen he was like and my pick of a girlfriend will have uh the tacos or whatever and then apparently the the server was like no no 
she's very skinny <laughs> she's not big and um it's funny because Jen is she's like the teeny tiniest little thing so she right. could get away with a yeah, nickname yeah, yeah. like pig so anyway I just think that that's so funny because they joke about it to this day yeah. on their honeymoon there was some picture of like pigs <laughs> Will said, oh, that's so nice that Jen brought her family. (laughs) Anyway, so they dated for about two years before they moved in together. And everything was blissful. And then Will knew that he wanted to marry her. Uh, Will says, one day I just woke up and decided, yep, now is the time. I think from that day until the actual day I proposed was about four weeks. I went to Brown & Co. with Jen's best friend, Nicole, and she helped me pick out a ring. We decided to wait until we knew when the ring would be here to decide on a definitive date. And he said the ring came way too fast. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it would be a few weeks, but it came in three days. So now I was freaking out because I have this engagement ring in my sock drawer in the apartment that I share with Jen I knew it had to happen sooner rather than later or else I was going to slip up and somehow ruin the surprise so on June 9th 2018 Will popped the question first he called her parents and asked for permission which is very sweet Mm -hmm. and then he asked them to come down for the engagement which was really sweet too and he invited her cousin Kelly from New York and then his uh parents and then anybody he could think of missed it but he had over 40 people at his fr- a best friend Brandon's house and had Brandon and his wife Courtney were amazing and helped him set up this whole thing. Yeah. But what he did was he took her to like he had a day of events like the day the oh. day went from like place to place to place. They went to like a zoo and they went to wineries and they went to a fancy dinner. And then yeah. so Jen says, I had an idea it was coming. He had a whole day of surprises laid out. We went up to Dahlonega to some wineries and then a zoo. At each different place, I was thinking, is this it? Right. <laughs> and we went to dinner that night, and I couldn't tell if he was nervous, so I started thinking I was wrong, and he wasn't proposing. Then when we were leaving dinner, he said, I have one last surprise for you, and he made me wear a blindfold where we drove to our next loca- location. At that point, I definitely knew. Thank God he didn't murder me. <laughs> I know. I was like, and then. Yeah. <laughs> So once they arrived, uh, Will led her down a hill to Brandon's backyard where it was lit with torches, a table with champagne and a single rose, and Georgia by Vance Joy played in the background. And then as soon as she took off the blindfold and saw everybody, she started immediately bawling. And he told her how much he loved her and he couldn't live without her. Uh, and because she loves the bachelor, he asked her if she would accept the single rose and be my wife. <laughs> And of course she said yes and everybody was stoked. So on November 2nd, 2019, surrounded by family and friends, Jen and Will were married at Sweet Meadow Farm in Tallapoosa, Georgia. I always want to say Tallapalooza. <laughs> Tallapoosa, Georgia. It was a gorgeous outdoor c- ceremony officiated by me. Uh-huh. And here's something that's cool. Is on the day of the wedding when I was going through the script, I thought it might be fun to look up the exact text messages from the screenshotted text message because I always did it by memory, but then I was like, no, I want to see the actual one. Yeah. And I think it would be fun to send them to Jen and Will. Like, yeah. Just like a reminder. So... The story that we had been saying for like the last four plus years was that like, oh, and then I, Jen told Jen that she thought Will was cute and then Jen screenshotted it and sent it, da, da, da. And then everybody always like credited me with their being together. Like it wouldn't happen if you hadn't do the text messages. But when I was looking through the text messages, I realized that Jen, um, was actually not going to be at that show because she had a friend's birthday dinner. And then, like, last minute, plans changed. I think she had the dates wrong, actually. Yeah. And then she um ended up just was like, I'm just going to drop by. So she just dropped by the show. And then also, Will was not booked on that show. Oh, really? He, he was just booked, happened to be there? Well, he was booked for the following month. And then last minute, I had a... Uh, cancellation and in a pinch it was like hey will would you do me a favor and you know take the spot tonight so will ended up um being on that show so it wasn't me that set them up it was fate it was the universe it was the universe it was written in the stars it was gonna happen no matter what because it's meant to be Oh, that's amazing. And then after the wedding, Jen and Will went on a beautiful Bali honeymoon. Um, their pictures are amazing. Yes. I'll post a couple. That's where Jen brought her whole family of pigs. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, and when I asked them, what are your plans for the future? They responded with, we want to stay in Atlanta for the foreseeable future. I want to find an affordable house to buy in the short term before we have kids travel as a priority. Mostly right now, we would like to focus on being the best parents we can to our 14 year old dog and seven month old kitten, Lucy and Rory. Oh, that's so really that's sweet. where they're at, and I think it's a beautiful story, and I think that they're perfect together. Yeah, and I I'm love. I'm so happy. I for love them. when people are like that obviously in love. It's like yeah. just you can just look at their pictures and see that they're so happy and like in love with each other, and um, and yeah, it just makes me happy. To I see know that. it was a great wedding. A great wedding. Yeah. Yay! So that's Yay. my love story. Love story. All right, should we do things that are dumb and things that we love? Yes. Okay, uh, so I'll go first. And because the thing that is dumb is me. Because <gasps> you're not dumb, Sally. Well, you know what? I've done some dumb things. Um, so yesterday, Ben texts me at work and he's like, hey, um, do you know where the key to the white car is? And I was just like, Hmm. Because we only have one key to the car because oh, we no. lost the other key. And I look in my bag at work and it's in there and I have taken the other car. So I have what the oh, car that no. is here that he's like needs to go to work and drop our kid off at daycare. So um, so I had to I was like, all right, I'll go home. And he was like, well, don't rush. Like I actually texted our neighbor who's a good friend and she came and took Max and Ben to <laughs> Like, to daycare, dropped him off. Um, it was just so nice. It was very nice. So I love that. And I also love, um, the other thing that I love is that my dad came up last weekend just to give us a little break and to see us. It was so nice. I mean, he's he lives in Florida, so he's like five hours away. And he was just like, hey, I know you've been really busy lately. Could you use a night out with your husband? And I was like... I could yeah. use a night out <laughs> And so it was just so nice. What'd you guys do? We, I had two shows. <laughs> so, but it was also cool because he, you know, Ben never gets to see me do stand up and gets to, what a treat. Um, <laughs> but you know, I mean, I have this whole other life here that he's not a part of oh, because yeah. he's at home and taking care of our child when I'm out doing shows and hanging out with people and seeing the city. And so I forget that he doesn't, know a lot of the people the places I talk about so the club one of the clubs here in Atlanta that Jen and I are at a lot is called the Laughing Skull and it's such a great room yeah and so and I, we're both there a lot and so I was doing Madison's show who's another comedian she runs a show Afternoon Delight Afternoon Delight yeah it's and great it was so much fun it's great great audience you get to do a longer set and so he was there for that and it was really fun and then I did a show um, at a brewery and um, and that was good too and so um, so yeah, so it was just like a fun night. We went like we went to a bar, just the two of us, like in the neighborhood afterwards. That was a week we played darts. So I was like, remember when we used to just do this? All the time? <laughs> yeah. Like we were like we'd, you know just go get a drink and play darts and hang out. And I'm like, this is this is like what we used to. Be I know. <laughs> um, so that was really fun, and it was just really nice to have my dad here. He's like the easiest guest, and it's like just a joy to have him here. So That's it was, awesome. yeah, it was really nice. Nice. And also, he's a big fan of the podcast. I should say that. Oh, good. Yeah, he was like, "Can I? Do I get to meet Jen?" Oh. <laughs> and I was like, "I was like, oh, she's out of town." He was like, oh, "Next time." Oh man, I want to meet your dad. I <laughs> know. Oh, well, he's up a lot, so that's awesome. Yeah, that's fine. My aunt Diane, who I love very much, said that she listens to the podcast. I saw her this past weekend. She did say. Um, she goes, so I listened to your podcast. And I was like, oh, yeah. And she goes, you and Sally seem to have a lot of fun with that. <laughs> I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> like, we do have fun in a nice way. Or like is, are you having fun? Or is no, it just like, like, where it's like, like is that is that like you, there's nothing good to say? So you're just like yeah. you seem to have a lot of fun with that. Like when somebody you come uh-huh. off stage and somebody's like, how was that for you? And you're like. Oh, well, I guess not good. Oh, yeah, I know. How'd that feel? How'd that, feel? How'd that set feel? Ah! I mean, it yeah. felt fine until now. I now, know. Now, in retrospect, horrible. Okay, so my something dumb is that, remember how we were just talking about how we don't have nice jewelry? Mm-hmm. Well, there's a reason for that, because I lost my rings again. Oh, no. I lost them, but okay, so I couldn't find both of them for like a week, 
and I was panicking. I thought they might have been at the punchline because I was there. I had like the whole club looking for my rings, and then I was just searching everywhere, tearing yeah. the whole house apart. Did you look in a rug? That where you rug. lost it? <laughs> yes, I know because I'd lost them before, and so, um, so it's, I lost them, and then um, I was there's this podcast that I listen to. It's called Bitch Sash. I've talked about it on Instagram. It's so good. Yeah. I fucking love it. Um, but anyway, one of them talked about how she went and saw some kind of a psychic, and they say that like you have your ancestors are there to help you and if you need something just ask them yeah and so it was my grandmother's birthday she's passed away i it was on her birthday and i was like grandma happy birthday i can't find my rings i can't find my rings anywhere and so then literally that day i go to one of my properties that i manage and i went to go use the lockbox because i was about to show the property and i open up the lockbox and my engagement ring is in the lockbox no i swear to god (gasps) isn't that crazy like i was so so flustered that the person that i was showing the apartment to like i was just like i zoned out yeah and i just stood there for a little bit and i felt like how do I even begin to explain to this stranger, like, no, you don't get it. Like, my, my dead grandma just gave me this engagement ring in this lockbox. <laughs> so I must have lost it somehow in this property. I think yeah. what happened was, was sometimes I keep my rings in my pocket if I'm, like, cooking or using, yeah. like, or washing dishes or something. And so I think I had them in my pocket. And then when I went to take a key out of my pocket and put it in the lockbox, I must have grab the ring too yeah so i can't the the band the wedding band i can't find it anywhere i searched the whole property yeah oh but you know what when we picked out wedding bands because i don't like to buy nice things or spend a lot of money when we picked we picked out our own band Uh so when i picked out mine i was like i'll take the cheapest one you got that one right there it was like a hundred bucks i think i did the same yeah (laughs) mine were mine i have these teeny tiny little like i was like there were $40 $40 on eBay or something oh, really? and I was just like I don't care I don't want to spend any more money yeah exactly <laughs> so the ring I so the band it's like you know that was like I don't know what Zach spent on my engagement ring but my the band was 100 bucks max and yeah. so and I just ordered a new one on Amazon for $15 <laughs> <laughs> So that's my something dumb. And the something that I love is, you know, I found the rings, which is amazing. That is my amazing. Oh, ring. thank you, Grandma. And also, I went on a lovely girls' trip weekend to Asheville at the Grove Park Inn. I'm so jealous. It's it looked amazing. Amazing. It's beautiful. Uh, it was just the best weekend. We went to the Biltmore. It was like me, my mom, my Aunt Diane, and my cousin Haley, uh-huh. uh, who I, I love them both so much. And then my sister, mm-hmm. who's great. And then my sister-in-law, Kimberly, who I love. So it was just like a really great girl's trip. Yeah. So nice. And my mom needed a break, so it was like really good. Yeah. You know, I, th- I think we had a great time. And it was just super chill and amazing and calm yeah. and no drama. And I read, I got to read with my eyes. You read with your eyes? The book you gave me. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. It was the <laughs> Cheryl Strayed book. Yeah. I can't the remember the Tiny name. Beautiful Things. Tiny Beautiful Things. Yeah. Great book. Recommend. It was perfect yes. for the trip. So. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, good. Well, um, well, you guys, great week. Great week. Great pod. Yeah. <laughs> hey, listen, you should follow us on all the things. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We have a podcast Facebook group. Yes, join the Facebook group. Let's yeah. get this thing started. We have people in we have there. People but, in it, but nobody's talking. Nobody's talking yet. Come on. Um, so everything is at Dumb Love Podcast. And then our email is dumblovepod at gmail.com and you can find me on Instagram at the Sally Brooks and you can find Jen on Instagram at Jen O'Neill Smith. Yep. My husband told me, he was like, you guys need to plug your stuff at the end. We really should. That we need to plug because you guys know what's going on. We're, we post fun things on Instagram all the time and on Facebook. Um, memes. We play games. We're real active. Yeah. We're like social media gurus. It's a party over there. It's a party over there. So anyway, do that. You know, share us with a friend. That's really the one thing. Share us with a friend. All right. And get out there and do something dumb for love. Dum-da-dum, 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 dum-